Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know someone who prioritizes their own needs over yours and with no apology? Maybe you feel like you can't get their attention or feel like a priority with them. Do you often walk on eggshells around this person because they're so easily offended and God forbid you give them feedback or criticism because they blow up? Or maybe you know someone who's always acting like the victim and blaming you when things aren't going the way they want. Well, then you, my friend, might know a narcissist. And today you'll learn what narcissism really is. Yes, you need more than your Google degree to start throwing that word around and the most effective ways of dealing with them. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connected and happy relationships. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in your relationship today. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. Yay, you're here. Hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I don't know when you're listening to this. Dr. Abby Metcalf here. Happy, happy to be here with you on this beautiful day in sunny California. I'm in Northern California, but it's still pretty sunny most of the time. It's kind of amazing. Uh, Anyway, so today we're going to talk about all things narcissism. And uh, you've been, I've gotten so many emails about this and DMs and everything else asking me to cover this topic. So I'm really excited today because I've done, as always, you know, the deep research using my own experience too. Uh, and I, I'm coming at you with some really what you can do to effectively uh, deal with this kind of relationship. So, and to really learn what it all means. And before I jump in there, if you are enjoying the podcast, and I know a lot of you do because you write in and tell me, I'd like you to do one of two things. Ready? One of two things. I'd like you to either leave a review, go to wherever you download and leave a review. iTunes, I think, is the easiest. But um, Or if you can't leave a review where you download, please check that out. And if you don't do that, or if even if you do that, I want you to share the podcast with one person this week. Think of one person. It could be somebody at work, and it could be just really random. But think about, you know, give the love. Let's, you know, I'm putting a big rock in the middle of the pond, you know, and those <laughs> ripples are going out. I, I'd like you to be part of those ripples going out and really getting the word out to more and more people about the podcast. It's, again, if it's helping you, you can imagine that it would be helping other people. So, you know, again, don't just think this sort of like, oh yeah, sure, Abby, really do it, really do it. It would mean a lot to me. I'd really appreciate it. And then the last thing I want you to know is hopefully you've been having a wonderful holiday season by the time you're hearing this. And we're going to be taking off from the podcast uh, the last week of December. I do that every year. 
So I'll be back uh, with you beginning of January, but there'll be there'll be a week without me. I know. Try to try to hold strong. I'm sure you'll be okay. Definitely, it's a good time to go back and listen to other podcasts that you might need a refresher on. Uh, anyway, so just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, okay, so let's get to it now. I got to tell you, I think I've been avoiding this topic for a while because I. <laughs> I don't like how people throw around the word narcissist, and I had a hard time even coming up with the title, which is how to deal with a narcissist, because what I'm going to talk about today isn't, you know, just about this condition. Um, Here's the deal. So narcissistic personality disorder, also known as NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, it's a diagnosable mental health condition, meaning someone with an actual degree in psychology and training should be the only one making the diagnosis. Now, I can't diagnose your boss, partner, or mom from afar, and neither can you with your Google degree or a book you read. But I can tell you that if you're using that word to talk about someone who seems uh, high on self-centeredness or high on victimhood <laughs> and short on the empathy, and then may, then today's for you, okay? Today today's for you. And I'm going to be explaining really what narcissism is, and then going into the you know the effective ways to deal, and. NPD or narcissistic personality disorder is divided always into these subcategories. Sometimes there's three, sometimes there's five. I think of four of them the way I've been dealing with them for many years. And the and it's important to think of the subcategories because you might be surprised, actually, very much surprised by one of them uh, because it's someone who doesn't seem self-centered, is is a giver, is out there, is fun to be around and all that. And you might not, re- but you might feel like something's wrong in the relationship and you can't pinpoint it. it so it might be a, a form of narcissism, I know. So let's talk about that. So the, the there's, so I'm going to talk about four. Basically, there's the antisocial narcissist. And this this is someone, the overarching traits are that they are completely self-centered and absorbed. They're very difficult. This is not always, this is not a a likable person. And they'll misuse, they'll exploit any relationship for their own benefit. It's a very like, wow. They will boldly lie. They get pissed off if you confront them. They believe they're in competition with everyone and everything and will do whatever it takes to win, whatever it takes, even if, if that's trampling over their mom, that's okay. So there's this sort of antisocial piece to it. And again, and let me back up for just one minute. You know, I've talked before about the different kinds of diagnoses that we have in psychology. And there's uh, a lot, most people understand mood disorders. That's what you hear the most about. And mood disorders are things that affect your mood, like depression and anxiety and bipolar and things like that. Well, this is, as is, as we say in the name, a personality disorder. And um, there is an antisocial personality disorder also. That's a, its own separate thing. And personality disorders, unlike mood disorders, do not have medications that work for them. There's no medication. Uh, it's just talk therapy is the only thing that really works. Well, I'm going to give you some other things that work to get them to talk therapy. <laughs> but that's that's really your only answer. So there is no medication for this. It doesn't unless there is what we say is a comorbid or happening at the same time, a simultaneous other diagnosis, then that can be treated with uh, medication. And that's generally a mood disorder of some kind. But the personality disorder, if it's just straight, there there isn't a prescription for it. So I do want to say that because it's it's your personality. It's not it's not your necessarily these these biochemicals that can be um, altered or, you know, played with. So that's the antisocial narcissist. The pro-social narcissist is kind of the opposite. This is a person who's all about feeling good and getting credit for their positive accomplishments. So they'll actually, they actually strive to do good things in the world and they want others to like them. They're generally fun to be around and their intentions are mostly harmless. So uh, they, they'll show empathy, but they, they'll hone in on what makes you happy 
and try to really do that. That's that empathy thing. And But that's how they also find their own validation. That's really where their self-esteem gets filled up in other people's reflection on them. And then there's the malignant narcissist. This is one of the worst of the bunch, I would say. And they don't care about you at all and will even try to take down others to prop up their own fragile egos. They, you know, this is the, I I do think kind of the worst of the bunch because it's often described as a combination of sort of this regular narcissism and antisocial personality disorder, like I just mentioned. So they tend to lash out or become aggressive easily, uh, generally super thin skinned people, uh, you know, you could make like a harmless remark and they'll see it as an attack. You know, this they have this grandiose view of themselves and they will lash back and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I asked you to put the milk away, you know, and they see that as an attack, like you were telling them they didn't do a good job with the milk. Uh, and it can feel like it blows up very, very quickly. And so there's a lot more, um, you know, uh, fireworks with this sort of, there's a lot more going on. It just, you really feel the negativity more than just say the antisocial narcissist who I just said, yeah, they're self-absorbed. They'll misuse a relationship. Um, but there's a different level of, you know, I can, I think you can tell from what I just described where there's this, um, really brutally fragile ego of the malignant narcissist and they really don't care about anything other than themselves. And then the last one, and probably the most common that you'll, I think, come across, believe it or not, and likely this might be the one you didn't realize, like the pro-social narcissist, this might be one you didn't realize was a narcissist. Um, It's the, we call it the covert or the vulnerable narcissist. One One of those terms is used, they're used interchangeably. And so this person believes they're superior to you too, but they don't let you know that they feel that way. They are just as self-absorbed as the other types for sure. And they definitely think they're entitled to more attention than they receive because they think, you know, hey, I'm brilliant and special. I I should get more attention. Uh, And due to this, they feel and act like victims. And this is the group that are prone to depression, anxiety, um, they're very highly sensitive, but not not to you and what you need. <laughs> so that you know the the prosocial narcissist is sensitive too, but but they're it's more of an empathy note, uh, and they're really looking at you and seeing it. This the covert the vulnerable narcissist is highly sensitive, but not not to your feelings to their own. Um, and so so, but I want to you know, I, I'm not going to spend the, the episode, you know, breaking down each one or whatever. So I, I want to just say this, people can exhibit narcissistic personality disorder traits. Okay. They can exhibit traits without actually having a diagnosable condition. And that might also be what you're dealing with. And again, my, the tools I'm going to give you today are effective no matter what, whether someone is one of these four, whether they are, um, you know, just have traits and aren't really diagnosable. That's why I'm going at it this way today. But I I wanted you to really hear and know what's real about it, you know, all the different ways it can show up because it can get really confusing, right? Things can seem really opposite. So so I'm going to just encapsulate now some general traits that you might observe that are driving you crazy, which are, uh, these are the ones I kind of see the most when clients come to me. And uh, this is my what you might be experiencing. And again, my tools are going to work no matter what. But so again, kind of just a self-centeredness no matter what else, even when the person is doing good for others, there's, there's a me, me, me quality to it. Uh, you know, it's all about them all the time in some way. Uh, having a sense of entitlement, you know, they deserve more, they're special, they should have. Passive aggression is a biggie that I see a lot. And that, again, is often with the uh, vulnerable narcissist, the covert or vulnerable, lots of uh, passive aggression, you know, can be seen really. Anyway, so uh, needing constant praise or reassurance. Again, you can see that in all these types. Uh, it's like never enough. You're, you're filling a bottomless pit with things. It's just, it feels like, you know, these people might feel clingy or needy. They might also seem like they don't care about you at all, but then 
you need to constantly be giving them reassurance and you're thinking, wow, how's that working? Uh, doing things for themselves that might hurt others or taking advantage of others, but uh, not noticing or caring and really not seeing it. These are fish who don't know they're wet often. They really don't see it as taking advantage or uh, that they're doing it for themselves. They think they're helping you. They think they're doing a nice thing and they're not. Acting like a victim and blaming you or others when things go wrong. You know, not taking responsibility. Everything is something else. I can't do anything. Uh, exaggerating their successes and achievements. Uh, this person also might monopolize conversations. It, again, they can be very charismatic. Uh, belittling or putting down others in an effort to make themselves superior. And again, this could be a lot of uh, passive aggressiveness, you know, really on the down low <laughs> sort of ways of doing this, the backhanded compliments, that kind of thing. They might minimize or trivialize your opinions, your wants, your needs. They sort of dismiss them in some way. Uh, say that you're silly or overreacting for having certain thoughts or feelings. Uh, definitely, these tend to be people who react really negatively to any feedback, any feedback, and they see everything as a criticism. So feedback is criticism to them. They also might be projecting their own shortcomings onto you. That's what projection is. It's defense mechanism where, uh, you know, you say, oh, Abby hates me, but really you hate me. <laughs> and so you kind of flip it around. It's part of the victim thing. Uh, and the biggies at the end are they have little or no self-awareness about the way they are. Little or no self-awareness. And they are definitely Teflon for feedback. So... When you're in a conversation and you try to call them on their stuff, they can turn it around and either make it your fault or have a completely different story about what happened. Have you ever had that where there's a, what we call a revisionist history? There's just, you're thinking, am I, were we in the same room when that happened? What are they talking about? I mean, they just have a completely different story. But again, very little self-awareness about it. They're fish who don't know they're wet in general. So, and I want to say a quick word before I move on about a couple things before I move on to the tips and, you know, what you should be doing. One is they can be lovable. Narcissists can be very lovable and they're often charismatic. They can be funny, engaging. When they completely turn their attention on you, you can feel like you are just bathed in the glow. It feels like the sun turned on and it just feels so good. Like you were sitting in the dark under a cloud and all of a sudden the sun is on and you get all warm and and, and frisky and happy. And uh, Or at work, uh, you know, what I've seen a lot is that uh, narcissists can be really good at what they do, believe it or not. And so you like having them on your team. You know, you want this person on your team because they really, you know, are smart about things and do things well, but they drive you crazy. They're just driving you nuts. So uh, at home, I've seen this, like you might have a narcissistic partner who uh, is completely dedicated to coaching your son's baseball team. Uh, the other parents can't stop raving about what a great husband you have and how great he is and how selfless and isn't that lovely and oh my gosh, and he's, you know, coaching the boys. He's out there on on Saturday nights and whatever. Um, and you're thinking, what the heck? But that can be there too. Or uh, you might have, um, maybe your mom is a narcissist, and but she was bragging about you to all her friends and was the one who went to bat for you at school when a teacher gave you an undeserved grade or, you know, so there's really this way, you know, these moments are what can make it easy to believe them when they lie to you or say you're overreacting or whatever, you know, it can really feel like you're the crazy one. And, and that gets me to another big piece of narcissism that seems to be there a lot that, uh, is called gaslighting. Now you've likely heard this term, and you, but a lot of people aren't 100% sure what it means. What does that mean if someone's gaslighting you? And so I, I really wanna just go over that in a little section here. So basically gaslighting, it's a form of manipulation. Uh, someone's acting in a way that you start doubting your own memory of something, your own perceptions, your own judgment. And you often walk away from the conversation, you're feeling like the crazy one. 
it, and gaslighting is a common theme among narcissists. So it can show up in a bunch of ways. Um, the ones I see the most are uh, criticizing or putting you down, again, often in subtle ways. Uh, oh, oh, you're late again. You know, you're so disorganized. I guess I should be happy you showed up at all. That's gaslighting. Um, oh, complete denial of the facts. I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. You weren't at the restaurant with me when I said that. <laughs> I have been in this situation where I was literally in the room in a conversation and, uh, you know, something went down. And then later that narcissist said, no, you weren't there. I remember you were not there. And this is what happened. <laughs> I'm thinking, I was there. I remember what you were wearing. Remember we ate duck. Remember it was really weird and the waiter was funny. Nothing, nothing. And it's, again, you start to think you're crazy. You're going, is this me? What, how is this possible? Uh, telling you what you're feeling or invalidating your feelings. Uh, oh, you're just being paranoid. That's you jealous again. That, you know, that, that thing. And just invalidating your feelings or, or telling you what you're feeling. You know, you're, uh, oh, you're not sad, please. Those are crocodile tears. You're not sad. Um, <laughs> telling actual lies, making you question your reality. That's kind of common. Uh, projecting onto you what they're doing. And this one I see a lot when a narcissist is maybe cheating in a marriage or something like that, or cheating at work, you know, lying and, you know, doing stuff covertly. Uh, so you'll, you'll hear them say things like, oh, you keep asking me if I'm lying. I think you're the one that's lying and you've got a guilty conscience. And they, again, like flip it. Uh, <laughs> again, you think you're crazy. And accusing you of being too something. You're too emotional. I don't know why you're overly sensitive about this. I was just joking. Uh, that kind of stuff that, you know, again, kind of telling you what you're feeling. Uh, another common theme is thinking they do more than they do. Oh, I'm always driving the kids to practice. I'm like the only one who cares about what they're doing. And meanwhile, you know, you're, you're crazy driving them everywhere, doing everything. But the narcissist does this one thing and it's like they do everything and you do nothing. And again, they'll often combine that with these undercutting comments, making you doubt yourself about other things. So you start to think, oh, maybe I don't do anything. Maybe, maybe I could be doing more. Maybe I am a bad mom or a, you know, lousy husband. So, uh, and this goes with the next one, which is attacking or denigrating people or, or activities or hobbies or whatever that are important to you. Um, uh, one I heard recently from a client reporting was, oh, no wonder you like that pathetic reality show. Your mother was flaky too. She liked that kind of stuff too. You know, the narcissist was kind of talking about, so see, there's like this, this thing that this, my client loves is, and she's like this super together, amazing woman, but she likes this one stupid reality show, if you want to call it stupid, but you know, she likes one of these reality shows. Um, and her hubby just is like so disdainful about it and will just at every possible interlude cut her down about it. And he'll even use it when they're out in public. Like, I don't believe anything Jane says. She likes The Bachelor or whatever. It's not that show and that's not her name. But you know what I mean? Like there's a way that it it just seeps in everywhere. Um, and yeah, and then like this guy ranks on her mother a lot and she has a really close relationship with her mother and really loves her mother and he'll just sort of undercut it all the time. So, uh, the, and the last one is, um, that can happen a lot is trying that they try to turn other people against you or hurt your credibility with them. And that can be really scary. Uh, you know, they might say, you know, you might be out with friends and you go to the bathroom and you find out later from your girlfriend that you're, partner was at the table saying, oh, you know, I'm really worried about Rachel's drinking. I, I wouldn't trust what she's saying right now if I was you or something like that. And you're going, you know, you find this out later and thinking, what? It, it's so there's that kind of stuff too. So in the end, if you know, you're likely dealing with someone who is a narcissist or who has narcissistic tendencies, if you find yourself feeling like you're always the crazy one, always apologizing and you're not even sure what for, um, 
And definitely if you're feeling sort of a heightened level of anxiety when you're interacting with this person, again, whether this is at work or with your family of origin or your partner, and any of that, you know, that's really the stuff to be looking for. Again, they might not be an actual diagnosable narcissist, but they might have the traits and enough of them that you, you know, you're feeling it and it's scary. So, and one of the things I get asked a lot um, before I go into my the things you need to do to effectively deal with them uh, is why. Why are people this way, Abby? I do, they, people want to understand why always. And I can give you the short answer, which is we don't know. <laughs> we don't know why people are really like this. Uh, again, personality disorders aren't something that you can do a CAT scan and identify. So it's it's just harder scientifically to really understand uh, all the factors. But what we what we do know is that narcissistic personality disorder affects more males than females. We know that. And that it often starts in teens or early adulthood. We know that. So if you think like a a nine-year-old is being narcissistic, they're being a nine-year-old. Nine-year-olds are supposed to be (laughs) self-absorbed. And so so the kind of even teenage, early teenage years, they're little sociopaths, right? They don't think things through. They don't think about you. They don't think about how things are going to affect you. That does not mean your kid is a narcissist. It's really as they get a little older and you start to see different kinds of things that you can sort of, you know, if you're going to start to worry, worry then. Um, But we, we do know that it's, that MPD has certain genetic components. There seem to be some genetic components as well as environmental ones. And the environmental ones appear to be uh, childhood abuse or neglect. So physically being abused or having parents who are very neglectful um, or on the opposite end of the spectrum, overprotective parents or parents who just were excessively pampering this kid There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Lastly, unrealistic expectations from parents, you know, for the kid. All of these things seem to be environmental factors that can affect someone becoming, um, developing narcissistic personality disorder in some way or these narcissistic traits. All right, Abby, what can I do about it? Great. I'm hearing all about it. Got all this stuff. I see my boss. I see my sister. I see my partner. What do I do now? Well, there's really two things you need to be doing. Two. I, how do you like that? I'm I'm breaking it down because this is the two. You might look at things and say the 10 things, the nine things. Eight, nope, nope. Just these two. These are the two that will get you where you need to go. So and and before I say that, let me just first say that you cannot fix this person. You cannot. I'm so sorry. All the talking in the world, all of the, you know, uh, it's this way, don't you see this, don't you see that, isn't going to do it. And you know I'm telling the truth because you tried and nothing's worked. <laughs> and it hasn't worked because that doesn't work. That is not what works. The only thing we know that works with Uh, any kind of narcissistic personality disorder or traits is talk therapy. It's the only thing we've been identified to move the needle. And so really the goal is to motivate people to get talk therapy. So let's get into those two things. And uh, really what I want you to focus on first and foremost is you have to focus on you, not them. It's so easy to get pulled into the gravitational orbit 
of a narcissist. It is, or someone who has these traits. It's all about them. And even if it's some of the good stuff, you know, where they're fun and they're charismatic, it's still all about them. So it's very easy to get pulled in. And you're going to need to make things about you. You have to get out of the emotional blackmail. That I'm using that term because that's what it is. It's emotional black, black blackmail of trying to keep them happy. That's what this is. I'm, you know, I'm acting, you know, I'm the narcissist and I'm acting this way. And your job is to make me happy and to keep me happy. And you take on that job because you don't like the other side. You don't like when they're uh, blowing up at you or giving you the cold shoulder or being nasty. So you end up in this, but nothing changes when you do this. And you know, I'm telling the truth because you've been doing it. You've been doing it. Nothing changes. Nothing gets better. That's why you're listening right now. So you have to get out of that. If Bob from accounting, you know, blows up every time someone gives them feedback, so everyone's tiptoeing around Bob from accounting, that's a problem. Nothing is ever going to change with Bob from accounting. And what is going to happen is that some people are going to come in the agency and work in accounting and Bob is going to be there and they're going to leave. You're going to lose good people over Bob and it's nuts. So you really have to think this through. It's just, it's not working what you're doing and what you're doing, I'm telling you, is you're giving into this emotional blackmail and it, and you are as, as responsible to that as they are. So regularly you got to regularly remind yourself of your strengths, of your own wants, your own needs, your own desires, your own goals, because again, they get pulled into this other orbit. They get pulled into something else. And you, this is where all the self-doubt comes from. Oh, maybe I shouldn't start my own business. Oh yeah. He's, you know, I keep saying he, cause most narcissists, you know, there's more narcissists, sorry, than uh, males and females, but I, I need to say it could be a she, absolutely. So I apologize, men, for only doing the he here. Uh, <laughs> just caught myself. Um, so it, it, so you really, you start to doubt that, oh, maybe, you, like I said, I don't want to start my own business. Maybe she, I'll use she, uh, really, you know, hers is more important and later I'll get mine and, you know, and that can be true in some relationships, of course, that we sort of give up our own thing for a little while as our partner gets theirs. But it, trust me, if this is a narcissist, it's different. Number one, you're never going to get yours. And number two, it's just going to, yeah, because it's just going to stay this way. This is a, this is a different thing. So you really, what I'm talking about is that you have to be the dominant vibration in your, in whatever this relationship is. You, it has to be that you are fully aligned with you and you're going to have to work on this. Now, if it's obviously easier, if the narcissist is your dad, who you only see twice a year and he lives, you know, uh, uh, he lives, you know, a plane ride away. So you can't get to him easily. Then you, maybe you don't have to do as much of the, what I'm saying to you, but if you live with a narcissist or if you work with a narcissist, or if, you know, you see a narcissist often, this person in your life, it's whoever it is. If you see them, at, you know, once a week or more, then you should be doing everything I'm saying. Right. And so, uh, but even this, if you see your dad twice a year, you know, to have a better interaction, you can, uh, do what I'm telling you to do right before the interaction. But so you've got it. I've talked about this on previous podcasts. You really want to be the dominant vibration. What happens is some, you know, the narcissist is acting a certain way and their mood is, you know, upset or whatever it is. And you start to calibrate to them. You end up being wherever their mood is. You know, so he, you're, you're picking up your spouse from work and they get in the and you're in a good mood and you're listening to the radio and you feel great and then they get in the car and there's like this cloud that suddenly you know takes over the car because they're in a nasty mood and they start bitching about you know Bob from accounting <laughs> narcissists will often complain about other narcissists um you know they start doing that and then you find yourself feeling worse you find yourself uh feeling bad that no you you have to draw a boundary right there you need to you know and I'm going to talk about that in a minute but the you need to be calibrated first so that you notice when it happens and so that you can pull it back to your calibration, to where you're vibrating. And I want you vibrating on a higher level. Now, so my 
free gift is I have a calibration exercise. It takes literally, I think it's three minutes. I know it's less than five. I think it's less than four. You would do this little exercise right before you were, you know, if you were picking up your spouse, you, it's a, it's a, it's a something you listen to. Sorry. I keep saying exercise. Like you have to like write something down. You don't, you're going to download this. You're going to listen to it. You're going to listen to my voice. I know you love my voice. Uh, helping you calibrate to this sort of higher level. And it's just quick. It's easy. That's why I did it this way. And you can come to the website, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. And right here, you know, on how to deal with a narcissist, you will find the exercise. You just click on the link, you download it onto your phone, and you have it with you all the time. (laughs) Bookmark the page, whatever you got to do, and you will always have it with you. And it's what you want to do is to bring that energy up so that when you interact with the narcissist, you are at that higher vibration. If you live with them and this is your partner and you're with them all the time, guess what? You're going to have to be doing more and more of this. You might need to start truly meditating every day, taking time for yourself first thing in the morning, making sure that you are first. You are first. And every time you start to focus on them, what should you do? Focus on you. Every time you see what they're doing and you don't like it, focus on what you're doing and what you can change. Because you can always change something with you, always, always. Unless you are being held as a kidnap victim, you can always do something. Might not be a lot, might not be huge, but something. So I I need you to take that responsibility because it's very easy to get into a victim stance with a narcissist and you you can't do it because that's going to just make everything worse and worse and worse. And the other good part about calibrating, bringing your energy back to self, really focusing on this piece is that it will also help you trust your gut. So much of a narcissist narcissist's behaviors, that is hard. I need to tell you, I'm just going to jump in right now. I had a lisp when I was a little kid. Thank God my parents sent me to speech therapy, but uh, I still get like narcissists. Oh my Lord. Anyway, so, so much of a narcissist's behaviors are, they're covert, they're under the radar, but you feel icky, right? You're feeling icky, but you can't really pinpoint what it is. You, you, it's hard to say it's that or this. So you know something's off, but you can't seem to name it or whatever that is. So when you're doing the calibration and the alignment work, when you're meditating, when you're taking time for yourself in the morning, when you're calibrating to a better place, in whatever way you do that, those little niggling self-doubts, they disappear. They do. They they disappear. As you become stronger, more confident, as you become, again, that bomb, dominant vibration in the room, those things take a back seat. And since this is one of the big pieces of dealing with a narcissist is that you're doubting yourself and you feel like the crazy one, this is, as you can see, super duper important, super duper important. So you got to, got to, got to get this piece down. Focus on you, not them. That's number one. And then the second thing you need to be doing, and there's just two, is that you've got to set those boundaries and keep them. Lots of people are good at setting the boundaries, not good at keeping the boundaries. So, and if you don't do both, it's useless. Now, you're, let's say it's your partner or again, someone at work or a sibling or your mom or whoever, whoever the narcissist is, they might think they're entitled to, you know, go where they want to snoop through your personal things, uh, to tell you how you should feel, to tell you what you don't feel. And, or maybe they always give you unsolicited advice and uh, take credit for things you've done. This is them, not you, and does not give you permission to take a victim stance or to blame them. It doesn't. Your job, is to be abundantly clear about boundaries that are important to you. End of story. End of story. That's your job. So this means that you must give consequences when your boundaries are trampled. When when you have you know come come somewhere and said this hurts my feelings and it keeps happening, you have to have a ba- have a consequence for that, and be upfront about this with the person. So. Uh, You know, I'm thinking of a um, woman I worked with years ago whose husband was a narcissist. uh, And 
or seem to have, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I didn't meet the husband. I take that back. See, I'm doing what you're not supposed to do. He definitely had narcissistic traits from what she described. How's that? Okay. And so what was happening was he, he was all about him. He was, you know, a CEO and, you know, he was very productive out in his world and very well liked in a lot of ways out in his world, right? Interestingly enough. But at home, he was kind of a monster and he expected her to do everything. And meanwhile, they have, they had three kids. She was a full-time mom. She did not have nannies or anything else because she really valued, you know, for herself being that. She had some help, you know, sometimes like driving the kids to practices and things. But overall, she was doing it all. And, uh, you know, with three kids and all that. And she actually had a little business on the side of something that she um, had been doing for many years. So, and, and keeping the house and doing all the, and they had dogs and a parrot and all kinds of things. Anyway, but he would be like, I'm done with work. I, you know, there's nothing else. There's only me. <laughs> uh, wasn't doing things with the kids, wasn't helping and was expecting her to do everything and was constantly undercutting her when she didn't, you know, oh, you, you didn't make the reservations yet for our, for our vacation. Do I have to do everything? You know, this kind of stuff. And uh, it, it was, and he didn't, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom. So he was like, we shouldn't, he, I had a fight. They finally got a cleaning person, but to help. But even that, he just felt like, why would we have that? This is what, this is your job. This is what you should be doing. And he would sort of, again, undercut her at every opportunity around what, you know, how much more she should be doing if she was a good mom and a good wife and a good this and a good that. So it went on and on like this. And he would get enraged and he would throw things. He didn't throw things at her. Um, but he threw things when he got very upset when things did not go his way at home. And I said to her, first of all, this is violent. This is violent. He's throwing things. He was smashing vases against walls and he, you know, all kinds of stuff. And uh, he actually broke a coffee table once, smashing something into it, you know, things like that. Like he he was, and again, never was striking her. She didn't physically feel like he would ever hurt her or hit her, but it's it's you know, scary to be around the violence and the children would see it. It, it wasn't good. And so she would threaten all the time, like, you know, you can't do that and this is bad and wrong. And, blah, blah. and of course he would come back, mea culpa, I apologize, but you just drove me crazy. But you, you know, it was always her fault that he lost his temper. And so this went on for years, years like this. And, and his behavior got worse and worse in a bunch of other ways, which I won't get into right now. But you know, and I kept at her about this. I said, you have to draw a boundary and and give a consequence if he does it again. And you've got to, you know, do it. You have to do it. And so she finally did. She had said to him when he did something the next time, she said, if you do that ever again, like it has to stop now, I will take the kids and leave. And he's like, no, you won't. Don't you dare. I'll sue you. I'll whatever, you know, what, all the things. And so she very bravely, the next time he did it, she didn't say a word, which I told her not to. I said, don't get involved in an argument with him in the moment. Just walk away, pack up the kids and get out of the house. That's all you got to do. Because um, she And she had, by the way, before told him he had to leave. And of course, he always refused. Uh, she had told him quite a few times before, like, you know, you have to leave now. You're being violent. You have to get out of the house. And he's like, it's my house. I pay the bills. I'm not going anywhere. So that's when I said to her, you have to go with the kids. You can't leave the kids there with him. Go. And so she did. She went to a hotel and he yelled and screamed. He couldn't believe it. He and he said, I'm going to when she he saw everybody leaving, uh, he th actually sorry, the first time she did it, he didn't see her leaving. So she was able to go. Uh, he did then, you know, she came back uh, two days later and he was on much better behavior. But about a, three weeks or a month later, he did it again. And this time when she went to leave, he tried to block her. He said, you're not leaving the house again. I'm not having it, blah, blah, blah. And she kept to it. She said, I'm going to call the police right now. I'm going to call the police. So either let me go or I'm calling the police. And he's like, you're bluffing, blah, blah, blah. And she got out her cell phone and she she dialed 911. So there was actually a thing because even when you hang up, uh, they have to call back and they come to the house. So there was a whole thing around it. There was. And she said, I was mortified. I was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed for my kids. And, uh, and you know, so this is the things that keep us, our egos, from falling through and having the, you know, this boundary. But I will tell you, so, and then this time she said, unless it, you go into therapy, we're not coming back in the house. Like, I'm just not doing this anymore with you. And he, I, and 
she didn't hold that boundary completely. I'm not going to tell a lie. You know, she did come back because he said he was going, but then of course he went once and then never went again. But again, the next time he did it, she drew the boundary again. And this time actually she told him he had to leave. And she said she was going to call the police if he didn't uh, because he was violent. And he did leave. And so this time she was able to say, you can't come back until you have seen a therapist at least three times and I want to go to one of the sessions. Like she was a badass about it. And you know what? They really did a lot of good work together. And I'm not saying their marriage got perfect at the other end, but at the time I stopped working with her, things had really changed. A lot of his behavior had changed. I mean, a lot. And so this I mean, this is an extreme example I'm giving you, but there's there's a good one. And so you have to do it. You have to do it because, and, and again, here's the best part of keeping these boundaries is giving these consequences is that not only will you feel empowered and confident, which she was, man, because that's why she got better and better with the boundaries. She started to feel better and better about it. Uh, you know, when you hold a boundary, you start to really feel like a badass. Not only that, um, but it's, again, like I said before, it's just about the only way I've seen that a narcissist actually gets into therapy. It's like the only way. If they're truly worried, you know, this final, final thing, like they're actually going to lose their family, they're actually going to lose their job, they're actually, you know, they will finally do something when all the gaslighting is done and all the smoke and mirrors and all the avoiding, they will do something if you hold the boundary, but you have to hold it and you have to up the ante, you know, to the next thing. If, you know, once that boundary is there, if, if, you know, they, they start up again next time, you know, cause like this client, I didn't want her to keep having to go to, you know, what he's going to rage every two weeks and she just goes to a hotel every two weeks with the kids. That's not really, it, it stops being a consequence at that point. Um, so, you know, it's like, what, what's the next level after that? And for her, it was having him leave the house and ultimately they would get separated if, if needed to be, you know, she was just doing the most. She's like, here's the next piece. So you, you're going to have to be part of that, but you're, you know, it's really, they really start to finally pay attention when things start affecting them personally. That's when they pay attention. Your consequences will likely be the only thing that drives them to actually get help. And I mean, so it's not you explaining. It's not you telling them that there's, you know, there's something wrong and here's what it is. And I just need you to stop. It's not telling, telling them you've had enough. It isn't until you take action that anything will change. You can say you've had enough and this is the last time a million times, but until you actually hold that boundary, nothing is going to change. So don't make idle threats. Keep your boundaries and be consistent with those consequences. And, you know, you will absolutely get pushback. So I need you to expect it. Don't be surprised. Of course you will. Of course you will. They're going to try to bully you back to where it was. Your job is not to allow that. You're, and, and again, the bullying might be that, you know, the vulnerable narcissist where it's just passive aggressive behavior that's not like threatening or anything like that, but it's just that under the, you know, cold shoulder kind of stuff. You, you, you got to hold strong. And that's why I had these two things in this order. You know, the first thing is to get clear with yourself and be the dominant vibration. Really feel strong within yourself. The second thing is to set a boundary and keep the boundary. You got to do that. And if you need to get, you know, professional help to help you do that, like this client I mentioned did, uh, whatever it takes, but nothing is going to change until you change. I say this a lot. The person in the most pain needs to change first. And the narcissist is not in the most pain you are. They are not going to change. You have to change first. I'm sorry. I wish it was another way. I wish I could, you know, give you puppy dog tails and rainbows on this and tell you all that you just have to say no and smack them on the nose with a newspaper. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to take action uh, and get out of any victim or blaming role that you yourself have. So that's so that's the only thing that works. I'm not going to give you a bunch of other tips because these are the ones. So I'm going to strongly, strongly in my best Jewish mother bossy way, encourage you to come over to the website, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast and download this calibration uh, MP3, this thing that you can listen to that will help you calibrate up. And then you can, I did a whole uh, episode on this, episode 113 of the podcast. Maybe listen to that one again. Um, episode 113 is all about it. 
So you can really just, you know, really get into that and really learn more and feel stronger and stronger because that is really where you need to be and where you need to go if you're going to deal with a narcissist. Okay. That is it. I won't be seeing you. I do believe it's next week by the time this podcast comes out, but I will be back and uh, long and strong, tough, ready to go. Have a wonderful new year, I think is what's going to be before I see you again and or talk to you again. And just know I love you so much. I have complete faith in you and uh, feel good. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.